0: The Stage Door Show, celebrating the independent artist. With your host, Dave Hondell. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Stage Door Show tonight. This is Dave Hondell. I couldn't be happier to have tonight's guest, uh, Lydia Look. She's been somebody that we wanted to have on the show. So I'm so glad that she's here uh, with us. And uh, so we'll bring her in. So welcome to the show, Lydia. Hello Dave, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. You know, Lydia, I I can't thank you enough for being on the show cuz I know you're getting ready to to do some personal appearances for General Hospital with some of your friends that are on the show and uh you know, we had Perry Shen on uh, last week and some of the the, the fans in, in the soap opera world, and I know that you've been doing this for a few years with General Hospital, but you've done a ton of episodes. And so you've, you've really got your feet wet in, in soap operas in the last couple of years. I'm amazed uh, how the fans are so rabid with uh, soap operas. And, you know, that's a, for you, for you, as, you know, being such a big part of the show. You know, that's got to be for you. I mean, it's, it's amazing probably to to meet these people and and to just, you know, hear their stories about how long they've been watching the show and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and about your character. And so it's, it's got to be fun for you to do that.
1: I think you've completely hit the nail on the head about the fans on Daytime Soap Opera. Never have I met fans that are so intense. I mean, they really follow every single thing on the show. And yeah. they're incredible fans. I'll just have to tell you this. Coming from a world where, um, you know, I'm kind of a, you know, I, I, I go on a lot of people's shows, you know. I'm like a guest star. You know, I come in, I'm like a traveling person most of the time. I'll come hit a show in CIS or whatever and I'm off, sure. right? So I never get fans that are so dedicated, you know, in following me, in doing something you know, or, or, or a particular role. Never have I met that kind of intensity. And I think it only exists in daytime because I think our daytime audience are a very unique bunch of people. Yeah. You know, they take their daytime viewing uh, pleasures very seriously. And I really respect that. I I have to tell you because I believe, especially in this in today. All right. Let's not even talk about what's happening in the world, but I believe more than ever escapism is so necessary right now, you know, uh, Uh, whether it it be in music in dance in comedy or or soap opera which i think you know uh, it just it, our our fans live the lives of the characters on the soap opera i think that that's really the best way to kind of sum it up and then they you know when they get into the When they really get into it, I think uh, some of them, or or, or I won't say most of them, but I think a lot of them do, uh, you know, pick their favorites, you know, who who their favorites are, and then their favorites start becoming almost like avatars, like their avatars. You know, like, yeah. say, for example, you, Dave, say, for example, maybe in your youth you were a motorcycle, leather-wearing, you know, jacket, heavy metal kind of guy, and, you know, you love your Harley How or whatever. You know? So if you, Well, you know, I'm kind of looking at you, and I'm, like, making my actor submission, my quick five-minute, you know, thing. <laughs> I could be totally off, but, you know, I have to make a strong choice sure. every time I do something. So it's more interesting that way. Yeah. <laughs> I would think that if you watched General Hospital back in the day, well, now, now we don't. Well, now actually, we do have one. Your character would be um, Drew. Y- you choose sure. Jason Morgan's twin, and he's kind of like the, you know, the, right. the, the, you know, he's the bad. He's the well, not that the bad way. guy. He's the he's the <laughs> he's the stone cold silent guy. Right, with, with, right. But all the women just drop their panties for. You know, every single woman wants to have a baby with him, <laughs> sure. except for my character. Yeah. Right. Well, the characters. is... You know, <clears throat> but anyway, I think that would be your avatar. You'd be like totally into. Yeah. Well. So yeah. especially with my character, you know, I think a lot of women, <laughs> I have a lot of women fans. Yeah, right. And when they see me, this five feet three, one hundred pound. <laughs> well, no, I'm actually more than that. Well, let's just leave it at a hundred. I'm a hundred pound, you know, Asian girl. And they're thinking, you know. I mean, because representi- representation really does matter, I- I'll have to tell you. And it's such a bre- breath of fresh air to see somebody like me calling all the shots on the show. Yeah. You know, so well, that's I mean, very Selena, refreshing. Selena
0: Wu is your character. And, and I know yeah. that, Um, like, I mean, you've been in several episodes. I want to say about 70 episodes or more, right? I mean. Yes, so that's correct. Episodes and, and uh, you know, just, you know, what I guess what amazes me with soap operas is that, you know, General Hospital and Days of Our Lives and All My Children, all these shows have been around for years. And, and not only just years, but they come up with material every single weekday. It, it just blows my mind how it's highly been creative able to sustain, yeah. <sighs> you know, for so long. Cause you see, you know, sitcoms and all these shows that only last a season, maybe two seasons, and then people uh, go yeah. on to something else, you know, I mean, but this yeah. is like, it just, keeps going and you keep getting these fans and then some of these fans now maybe were are watching it with their moms their grandmas exactly really
1: intergenerational yeah. yeah completely you have granddaughters daughters and grandmothers all at the convention and that's really beautiful they come yeah. as a family um i just recently had a podcast experience with a 15 year old girl who hosted us and she did it because uh, she told us her, she she started watching it with her nana, you know what I mean, and oh, then that sure, became yeah. yeah. So she's a big General Hospital fan, and I felt that to be so refreshing because she's fifteen. Yeah, right. you know our fans are not usually fifteen years old,
0: right? But you know, to have <laughs> yeah, a fifteen-year-old
1: yeah. fan, I'm like yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. So
1: that was really great. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, and and also you know, I I love this too because you did a lot of episodes of The Proud Family, and you know uh, these animated cartoons and. You did several voices, I think, for for the proud family, right? I mean, you did like yeah when I started or...
1: out in yeah, when I started yeah. out in season one, um, I did all three. It was the triplets, the yeah. Chang triplets. So it was one boy and two girls.
0: How was that to do? I mean, um, voice acting like that where you can get in front of a microphone and and just kind of just let loose and play these different people. I mean, I think it's incredible.
1: I think it's a great opportunity to just let you freak out. <laughs> yeah and I take air and I just I just I just totally enjoy it because here you are in a room and all you have is a stone cold mic microphone in front of you yeah. and it's almost like being a writer with a blank piece of paper it's right. it's all yours dude you know you've got nobody to blame if it fails cuz you're not playing off anybody yeah. right it's a solitary well it's a solitary acting experience kind of you Know, uh, yeah. so I, I, I really love it. I, I love getting into uh, voices, is a big thing, you know, for me. And um, I wrote one episode in season one, which was really great. Oh, nice, yeah, nice. yeah, that's exciting. Yeah,
0: so how, yeah. how does that process work when because I know a lot of you know actors become writers and uh, sometimes they write first, act you know, second, but how does that how, how do you get um commissioned, I guess, to do to write and for an episode? How does that process work I like that for our listeners?
1: actually for me on the proud family what really happened was i mean i don't know if you know i also have a life uh, as a writer i i mean i don't usually mix the two together sure. but i do i've worked in i mean i've written for disney channel i've uh, i've done animation i've written for animation i've written for primetime television um mm. i i really got into it i i actually you know it, it's such a talk about the word freak i mean it's just just a freak thing right. uh, i i went to usc film school and in wow. my second year I, I wrote a screenplay and um one of my professors you know not accidentally but he, he i think he submitted it to somebody and they read it and i got an episode on a, a tv show wow and immediately i you know i i was very lucky i joined the union i That's got into wga great. um if we want to talk a little bit about how i got the episode uh we can dig a little deeper into that but it gets a little bit uh well, why not? Since we're talking about we're talking about I'd love everything, about that. yeah. So uh, it's uh, it's great that I. I mean, I was really, sh- I, I think um, I was really shocked that my freelance episode, or my freelance script, was able to garner me something, at, you know, a job like this. And I was right. very young at that time. I think I was still actually in USC Film School. Wow. I didn't know anything. I didn't have an agent. I, you know, I, I, re- I just really didn't know anybody. Right. Uh, but I think actually ignorance is is truly bliss in a way because I think had I known really what the obstacles were ahead of me, I wouldn't even have tried. Yeah. I just wrote a screenplay that I, you know, was very dear to my heart that uh, that actually got me a lot of attention in the business because when it mm-hmm. went out, it got me this episode for television and got me. Um, uh, a deal with Samuel Goldwyn for a while, it, you know, they, they optioned the script. but I, And the script never got me, but I optioned that script maybe 10 times in, in the really? in, in industry and I made a good living as a, you know, you, as a USD student right. that didn't have any, it was a scholarship student. I didn't have any money. So, that's, you know, that was really good. I, I optioned crazy. it over, and over, but that is in hindsight, had I known what I was doing, maybe I would have sold it, but sure. I was so ignorant. I really didn't know any. I didn't have anybody yeah. in the business and I didn't know anybody in the business. Yeah. Um, at that time in the business, I think I also lucked out because I think the business was starting to change a little bit. And, um, I think the, the powers that were on that show decided that they were going to make representation a little bit more, uh, yeah. you know, in the forefront. And so they had an episode that took place in Chinatown. Okay. And that was the whole reason I think that's why I got the episode because I'm Asian. Because, you know, they wanted an Asian person to, you know, probably write the episode right. in Chinatown, which I thought was really great. Because, you know, they're right. actually trying to get a, a writer that was, you know, authentic to the material. And so, you know, and at that time I think in the business, there weren't many Asian writers. Right. And, uh, you know, I don't think many Asian female writers. Right. Also. Yeah. So I think it worked to my advantage. Yeah.
0: What are your thoughts on, 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 you know, women in the business getting bigger, you know, like, like writers and directors and producers. And, you know, I, do you feel that, that we're, we're getting closer to where, we need to be or is it still far away from where we should be with what oh,
1: business i think we've shattered so many ceilings and i think the me too movement has been incredible and i wish that happened when i was starting out because i certainly suffered a lot yeah. from that and uh, i took about 10 years off writing because of that wow i just didn't want to be you know that's a whole nother podcast right. that you know and you know it's a darker podcast no, that we're sure. not going to get into But um, I think that whole Me Too movement has really um, changed the business for us women in in a huge way. Right. Yeah, and I'm very grateful for it. I I wish it was 50 years earlier. But, you know, everything comes in its due time, and there's a season for everything, and that happened, and that totally shattered a lot of ceilings. Not only shattered ceilings, but I think of now when I look at women writers coming out in the business – I think they have such a better environment to be in, a safer environment and a more welcoming environment and truly just a more creative environment, an environment that's not so fraught with other things.
0: There's more oversight than, than there was obviously back in the day. Oh, completely,
1: completely. It was just crazy before the Me Too movement. It was crazy.
0: You know, now you obviously told me that you went to USC film school, but obviously the, the love of, you know, telling stories and the love of getting in front of the cameras or on the stage has to start somewhere. And there's a reason why you went to USC uh, film school. So where did you get that love of the entertainment business? And like, where did that start to grow or when? Well,
1: then I would have to say it's from my mother. Okay. She was a, she was a, she she wanted to be an actress, but she was a, uh, you know, she never had the opportunity to be an actress. She was born into a family where the women had to support all the men, you know, well, you know, the men were the princess and, you know, it was a patriarchy, you know, and, you know, all the women had to work. And she was the most brilliant in the family, but she never went to the university or any of that because they believed in, you know, funding the the boy in the family rather than the girl. So she also wanted my mom, my mother wanted to be an actress, I think, uh, but she never got the opportunity. She became a nurse instead and she okay. was a wonderful nurse but uh so she pushed me i think right from the start yeah. out, out the gate but um it wasn't uh, she didn't push me that much she didn't need to push me that that much it was really a uh, i i already knew i think at the age of 3 or 4 wow. that i was going to be a writer and an actress wow And I was also a director at that time. I was, you know, directing the kits, writing my own plays. You know, I was just starting doing that. (laughs) You know, so I was already a triple, you know, I was was already doing all three, I think, in my own, uh, you know, childlike world.
0: Hey, it's Dave from The Stage Door Show. Have you ever wanted a digital business card that would speak for you? Well, let me introduce you to Talking V-Card. Imagine this, a business card that doesn't just sit in somebody's wallet but actively introduces you, shares your latest work, or even a special message. That's what Talking V-Card is all about. It's modern, environmentally friendly, and has been an absolute game changer for networking in this digital age. Now here's the most exciting part. For a limited time, you can get lifetime ownership of your very own Talking V-Card for only $99. Plus, to ensure you're maximizing its potential, they're offering a free consultation to help supercharge your brand. As many of you know, Talking V-Card is a proud VIP sponsor of our show, and I've been using it personally. The feedback has been absolutely amazing. For everyone tuned in right now, if you're looking to make a lasting impression and elevate your brand, I genuinely recommend giving Talking V-Card a try. There's a unique link on our show notes that'll take you straight there. And remember, maybe the next voice somebody hears from a digital card will be yours. Stay creative and stay connected. Talking V-Card. Yeah. What gives you the most pleasure to you know in, in the business? Writing, acting, producing, directing. I mean, what do you feel most comfortable doing?
1: I really love getting lost in my character's world. So acting is 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 acting is truly a relief for me yeah. when I'm really playing somebody else, and that goes t- in tandem with writing because when I'm writing and I'm in the groove. And I'm sure yeah. you know that too, cause you're a writer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's not. there's no feeling like that. You're, yeah. you're just, it's an all it's, you know, it's an all time high. Yeah. So I love those two things. Producing, um, creative producing is, 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 is it is necessary for your own projects and for, you know, for a lot of things, I think, but I think producing, um, Producing is a whole other ball game.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. So, so I, I would I would not say producing right off the bat would be where I would get my you know my best satisfaction. I think if you're talking about you know an artist high, right? Yeah. Since we're talking about an artist right now, right? You know, another producer might you know, it's not really you know, it's it, it, I can do it well, yeah. But um, it's it's third gear for me. I think yeah
0: well, you know, if, if you
1: had to ask me if i you know i wanted to go for like well actually no let's go with gears i want to go yeah. to fifth gear yeah right. the acting and the writing would be would be so fun yeah
0: well you know i, I talked about this we've had we've had a few uh you know actor producers on on the show and one of the things that i find interesting and everybody says the same thing but th- does producing and directing make you a better actor especially when it comes to like television when you're When when you know when you're looking at the monitor and you know, like what's supposed to be said or what you know how this yeah spot on it it almost makes you a better actor because you you Mm -hmm. you know what's going on behind the scenes and sometimes some actors that have never produced or direct I think maybe are a step behind when it comes to understanding blocking maybe or uh you know framing things like that I mean the the technical things that you learn as a director producer cinematographer I mean that's got to make you a better actor i would think
1: you're so right about that and i think beyond just in the creative circle of filmmaking i think that that extends all the way down if you really truly uh i think want to be a master of your craft uh, as an actor you should also know everybody else's job on the film set and i try to make myself very present to that right down to craft service and you know uh, you know the person who the, the teamster guy that you know, brings my trailer in. I I try to, like, really appreciate everyone's job because really, seriously, filmmaking, I mean, the actor is just, if you look at it, and soap opera opera actually affords me a very clear eye about this. Um, The actor is really just, we're just the little icing on the top. Everything that makes everything work is really the crew. Seriously, everybody in the crew, right down to the smallest person or, you know, you want to say the person who brings out food or whatever craft service. So I think if you want to truly master the craft of, you know, film acting or being, you know, an an actor that works on set, you should totally know everything on set, right down to the grip, the gaffer, everybody. And I think I've become a better actor. Uh, also you know because i'm older now and and age and experience but also because i think i've also throughout the years um i've had the opportunity to to sort of appreciate you know because you you have a lot of time especially when you're on set and movies and stuff to kind of like sit back and look at other people you know what they're doing yeah. and then you start learning like the sound guy or whatever what he does yeah. you know it's it's incredible really It's a little microcosm of a little village.
0: It's almost like everybody on the team has got to be at the highest level in order to make the the production. And they are. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: They're incredible. So you feel so lucky because you're like a producer has assembled the best people in his opinion for this film. And these people are all magic crazy. I call them magic crazy, right? It's each in their own, you know, capacity, whatever they're doing. And can you imagine people with such high vibrations coming together, making something? It's incredible. It's almost like it's like making music. Yeah, it's making. So I I just, I love the bombination. That's really a word for me. I love to bombinate, you know, like get in the hum of things. And there's (laughs) nothing quite like it on a set.
0: really. Yeah. yeah, so everything's that, that in like a well-oiled machine. That's it, even
1: if it's not. It, it, yeah. <laughs> I love the chaos. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. of it all. Yeah.
0: Uh, you know, and, and that's for our for our listeners, obviously, with our artists out there. I mean, um, you know, I I always like to ask, you know, what kind of advice that you have, but I want to I want to kind of more specifically ask you your advice on the importance of treating people with respect. On you know on the set, no matter who they are, no matter who you run into, casting director, casting receptionist, whoever. What is the importance of treating people with respect in your business, and and why is it important?
1: Very simply, treat others the way you'd like to be treated. Just just that. It's as simple as that. And um, why wouldn't you? It affords you the best environment that you can be in, the the, the most loving, positive, magical environment. And to to cut to cut yourself out of that is just simply silly. That's not yeah. a smart choice, right? Yeah. I mean I'm trying to appeal to the the rational of us out there I, I, I think I don't need to speak to the creatives out there because right. I think they get the vibe but to people who are you know a little uh, I think um, sometimes a little bit more practical even if if you choose if you take that road of treating others the way you'd like to be treated I think that's the logical choice and that's that's the choice that works the best like on my first day on the soap I was so nervous yeah. I really was Um, I had the best people, like the uh, I had the best cast, and I'm not going to get into specifics because that's a whole nother show and it's a whole nother story. Yeah. But they were so kind to me, and because of their kindness, my magic was able to rise the to the occasion. And I always remember, I always remember that yeah. when I see anybody, you yeah. know, anywhere, yeah. always, uh, always have a kind word for somebody because it's yeah. it's just it makes. It makes everything just so much more beautiful. And right. why wouldn't you want beautiful? I'm all for beautiful and for loving. Yeah. You know, seriously, just well it's, said.
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, 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 simple it's, as it's that It's man. like anything you yeah. do. It doesn't no matter what industry you're in. It that's the way. Be
1: kind. Be story. kind to everyone. <laughs>
0: exactly.
1: And everything. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, and, and the other thing I wanted to to uh, ask you is is you know you've been doing this for a lot of years and you know what and there's probably several but what was your most challenging um you know i guess uh role that you played and how did you overcome that challenge uh you know um in in your in your role whatever that was
1: oh wow there've been many but if i have to choose one i did a film called paper tiger and that was in i think i think it was released in 2020 uh, at the height of the pandemic and it was an yeah. indie movie And it was based on a true story of a a true crime that happened in Roland Heights, uh, right here in California. uh, About an the story was of of an immigrant mother who was a widow, and um, she discovered and her son is schizophrenic and he's in high school, and she discovered that he uh, was going to become a school shooter, like from his journals and stuff. Sure. And at that time, the um, at that time the woman was also suffering from cancer; she was also terminal. So uh, it was a uh, what happened in 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 the true story was on the son's birthday she took the son out for dinner and then she took the son out to a motel and then she killed him. Oh wow. Yeah. Because you know she was going to she had terminal brain cancer so right. she didn't want her son. She really believed that her son was going was
0: going to you know, kill it,
1: yeah. murder. So
0: in her uh, mind know, she they, was saving lives.
1: So she shot him and killed him. Wow. And she was brought to trial. Um, the funny thing was uh, the judge asked her how come he, she didn't kill herself. And she went in front of the judge and she told the judge that she wanted the judge to know that she, she did that, that she was his mother and she was responsible for him. Yeah. And that's why she did that. Oh, she died okay. like six months later after she was sentenced.
0: Wow. But we
1: made a movie about that story and it was called Paper Tiger. Yeah, it's
0: interesting. And
1: I played uh, the role of the mother yeah and it was a very very small independent film talk about independent i think it was made for very little money by a wonderful uh, uh team uh michael chow uh who was also one of the executive producers of fruitville station he was one of our executive producers sure. uh, paul kowalski who's a wonderful uh he wonderful director uh directed it and he and wrote in and directed it and um we had a really wonderful uh, cast and crew, and that for me was a, a real special experience. Because I, you know, I went through the whole gamut. Yeah. Uh, of the, Of the character and the story was was a, uh, it struck a chord with me, and it was uh, yeah. Uh, it it, it, it uh, you know, it was a very sad story.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I
1: think it was needed to be told because mental illness, I feel, especially in this society in America, is is very much swept under the rug.
0: Now, I've always advocated for that. My, my father, um, committed suicide when I was seven and I, and I don't mind talking about it, you know, and I think that, uh, if we talk about more, you know, about exactly illness, the stigma is gone. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The, the stigma is not going to stick around. So that, that's one thing I like to talk about on our show. Um, so again, like you said, mental illness for all those listening out there, make sure, uh, that, you know, you, you get help if you need help and, uh, you know, and, uh, reach out to me and and I can give you resources. So go onto my website and contact me if you, if you need resources. Um, but, uh, you know, the last thing I want to ask you, Lydia, Lydia is, is, uh, when it's all said and done, what do you want your, um, your legacy to be? What do you want people to walk away with when they, when they hear Lydia look?
1: Oh my God. I, I don't, I, I've really, really, um, not in my sphere, I've never thought about a legacy, really, of leaving anybody a legacy or anything. Um, Seriously, what I'd like people to remember me for, it'd be great to be remembered for making someone laugh. I think that's, you know, or, or bringing joy to someone. So if someone remembers me because I've made them laugh, I think I'd be very happy with that. But more than that, uh, somebody who probably would would say something like, oh, yeah, I remember her. She was real nice. Or she was like, she was real cool. We had a good time. We had a good laugh together. Or I remember her because she made me feel, you know, you know, she made me feel funny. Or she made me feel, you know, she made me feel something. She That's made me feel something. That would be really cool.
0: Awesome. That's And I've done
1: my job as a writer and an actor. I made you feel something, right?
0: Yeah, that's hopefully it's
1: positive have, like said, yeah right?
0: that's what we all need right now is you know just coming out of a pandemic now we've got all the, the stuff happening overseas oh my and god have, so, you know, much yes. and so much strife in hawaii
1: so much
0: yeah. strife so much everywhere i mean it, it, every time you turn the news on there's always something happening earthquakes or whatnot what and it's, it's just, really count yeah. your blessings you know um it's mind-numbing know, it could always be worse, you know. I, that's one thing. You know, always put put things in their perspective, and you know, and and that's uh, the one thing. Help when you can, and and uh, always, you know, pray for those people that that are less fortunate, and because um, there's a lot of it going on right now. But yeah, I mean, absolutely, what you're doing uh, in in your are acting, you know, um, and writing cohorts, and everybody that's making us escape or helping us escape, you know, for just for a little bit anyway uh, i think it's it's an amazing thing that you guys do and and i just you know can't thank, thank you. you enough as a uh, somebody who's you know uh, an, an you know watcher of, of this and uh you know and something that you know we just like i said we appreciate it and um can't thank you enough for being on my show and and uh, for offering advice to my listeners and um you know i just uh, thank you so much
1: you're so sweet, Dave. Thank you for having this platform for everyone. That's, that's a really good thing. It's a really, really good thing.